When are we gonna talk about it? When are we gonna come together and clean up what we like? Do you wanna talk about it? It was Christmas that uh, uh, he did the final cut of blocking my family from me. He took the phone when my mother called it to say happy birthday, because that was my birthday, too. And um, he told her that I hated her and to never call again. And that was the last time I talked to my mother for two years. Halloween was the first time he started actually striking me. Um, this was more than just, you know, throwing me into walls or get you know putting me in a headlock actually hitting me and then um in december i believe it was the 16th um that's when strangulation started he has since convinced my children that i i am not valuable and i've been estranged from them now since the violence happened going on nine years and so the holidays are extremely hard for me because i have three grandchildren i've never met hello Welcome to Let's Talk About It on WERU-FM, conversations with survivors of domestic abuse, like me, who are standing proud and speaking loud. I am your host, Patricia McLean, the CEO and founder of Finding Our Voices, the grassroots, survivor-led and survivor-powered nonprofit breaking the silence of domestic abuse across Maine, one community and conversation at a time. Today, we are talking with Jolene, Sarah, Gina, Jennifer, and Mary about domestic abuse and Christmas. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for coming on to this conversation with me, which is very timely because um, Christmas is only a, a little time away. And I just feel it's important um, with all the joy and ringing out everywhere for people to understand that there are a lot of people who are going through a really hard time right now. Gina, to you. Hey, my name is Gina Dobson, and I live in Portsmouth, Virginia. Six years of abuse, crazy escape, 25 years free. That's awesome. It's always great when it's longer out than having been in. When it's a long time, like 29 years for me, that's going to it's gonna take a while. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Jolene, welcome. Hello. Um, so I'm Jolene. I'm from Green, Maine. And uh, let's see, we were together a little over nine years. The abuse was about eight years. And he's been incarcerated um, just about nine months now. So we've been out of it for about nine months. What is his sentence? Uh, huh. um, well, the, he was just recently offered a plea deal but there are about nine charges. And so it's looking like maybe eight years. And this is for a violence he did to you? Yes. To, at, uh, and it wasn't just violence. There was, uh, let's see, criminal threatening, um, stalking. There was um, domestic violence, assault tampering with a witness times two. Um, he then ended up in a high speed, a high speed chase when he was pulled over for these warrants and uh, led, led the local police department and multiple other entities through multiple towns on a very dangerous 
high speed chase. So then he ended up and he ended up wrecking his truck and, and taking off on foot as well. And um, he ended up with, I believe, another five more charges from that. Just to say, if people aren't from Maine and haven't been keeping their eye on this, for someone to have eight years in prison for domestic violence, that's almost unheard of. I can't even imagine what you went through. Thank you. And Mary? I'm Mary. I'm from Rockport. And I was in the relationship for 35 years, all of them I would call abusive. I've been out for just about nine years now, and I'm still feeling the effects, especially around Christmas time. And I just want to say that Mary is our operations manager here at Finding Our Voices. Um, and very happy to have her. Uh, Jen. I'm Jennifer. I'm from South Portland. Um, let's see. I was in the relationship for almost four years, and I have been out it will be almost seven years. And Sarah? I'm Sarah. I live in York, Maine. And I was in the relationship for about nine years. And I left the relationship in 2014, but I'm still experiencing a lot of financial abuse um, and sort of abuse by proxy through my kids. Um, so I guess I still kind of consider myself in it but oh, not in it. Yes, we are. I think we can all understand that post-separation abuse. If you can tell me about what Christmas was like when you were trapped in abuse. Gina, go ahead. Um, well, um, of course, as with the holidays, it's an increase in the alcoholism and increase in the depression, my abuser. And that would lead to a heightening of the isolation and the physical abuse anyway, and also led to more extreme poverty. So uh, my role during the holidays was to be the carrier of the excuses. I'd have to always make excuses why we couldn't take part in anything. Um, I was already isolated from my family. So if I was to get a gift in a mail from my mother, there would be... Um, I would have to make excuses because she didn't say anything to him. So he would be angry. Um, in fact, it was Christmas that uh, uh, he did the final cut of blocking my family from me. He took the phone when my mother called to say happy birthday because that was my birthday too. And um, he told her that I hated her and to never call again. And that was the last time I talked to my mother for two years. Jolene? This is this is going to be our first um, our first Christmas since um, since this all kind of came to us to a halt. Um, so Christmas Christmases prior, I mean, in the beginning they were they were super, and then the holidays, um, kind of like what what Gina had said, with the increase in in alcohol use, the increase in uh, the the money struggles, um, becoming the carrier of excuses, where um, you know relationships were very strained during that time, and the kids and I became extremely isolated, and it was a very gradual process where we became isolated. Like it started, um, you know, where maybe there was one family, you know, one family member that we wouldn't see, and then it came down to um, 
to even my older children weren't welcome at the house to see me and their younger siblings. So, um, and then they even got to a point where they didn't want to be here if he was here um, because he was, she was so angry. And so, um, so the, the isolation piece became the hardest for us during the holidays. Um, there was also increase in, um, you know, the police department became more and more common here during the holidays because of the incidents that were occurring there towards the past few years. So, um, who was, who was calling the police in the, in these it, me or my children, um, you, you know, my children or myself or my older children, I think once, um, my best friend called, um, so because of incidents that were going on at the house and, um, so the presence here was, the, was the, the tension during the holidays was, I don't even have words anymore, like looking back and talking about it and this being our first, our first winter and holiday season without that, without the worry of that at all. It's, um, it's triggering, but you know, cause we used to love, we used to love Christmas and used to love the holidays. And then I became to loathe them. So this Christmas I'm nervous. My anxiety is through the roof because I don't see Christmas like I used to. So trying to make this, you know, because there's also the financial pieces that we're dealing with right now post, you know, the way it ended and him being incarcerated. So, um, but I almost, that seems to be minor compared to the fact that it'll be the first peaceful Christmas that the first peaceful Christmas that my two younger children have ever had. Are they, he's the father? Yes, of the two younger ones, yes. And did you say that in the beginning of your relationship, the Christmases were okay? Yeah, there was, you know, uh, the, the sharing of the of going around and, um, you know, spending time with everybody's, you know, all the important people, all the family members. My family lives out of state, so that was already kind of a struggle, like, and I validated that, but then it just became where, he didn't want my parents to come up this way and his parents were having this or this going on. So my, my family wasn't welcome not to join his family. It was, and then it became where I didn't even ask anymore. Yeah. And I can, I can totally then, relate to that. Yes. There were, I didn't ask. And then, um, because then I became overly concerned with my older children, not being welcome here and not wanting to be here. So then it didn't even matter that I wasn't visiting my parents because I was so consumed with the fact that I wasn't seeing my own children. Thank you, Jolene. We'll come back and talk more. And Jen? It was always tense during the holidays. Um, yes, the last year there was absolutely, you know, alcoholism involved. The violence would escalate. I remember for me um, getting into December, um, in the last year that we were together, um, he amped things up in the fall. It, weirdly, I got I got Halloween was the first time he started actually striking me. Um, this was more than just, you know, throwing me into walls or 
get, you know, putting me in a headlock or a number of just kind of pushing me around things actually hitting me. And then um, in December, I believe it was the 16th, um, that's when strangulation started. I remember that year he came with me to a family thing that time and he's all jolly with my dad saying, you know, oh, you know, we're so good and we're great. And all I could think was he almost killed me 10 days ago. I, I almost died. And I remember my dad saying something back to him saying, oh, I never worry about you guys because he just had no idea. It continued on into the new year. Um, there was another strangulation event on Valentine's Day. And that one is one I actually um, had recorded. I was able to press record on my phone. And that's one that I used um, in court to get the initial production order. Holidays, not only Christmas, but yes, brutal. Yeah, holidays. Well, thank yeah. you, Jen. Um, and um, Sarah. Well, I have a little bit of a different um, experience in that my abuser really, well, he would act poorly on some holidays, but he actually used the holidays to network and to make himself look good. And he was really good at... Um, just presenting himself to people. And he would use that as a time to, he would make comments to people that would always put me on a pedestal or he would make comments like I was the boss in the relationship, which was like, it was so directly contradictory to what was actually happening. So he would also use that time. It's going to sound weird, but you know, he is a guy who liked to shop. And so he would use that as like a time to give gifts that I, that the kids wanted or that I really wanted. And so it was um, a really strong use of like the honeymoon phase of the, of the domestic violence experience. Um, he, the other part of it is that when he would have an explosion um, on a holiday, it was, it was always um, unpredictable. His abuse was unpredictable and um, his family all saw it. His sister, uh, parents, um, neighbors, they, it was a very small town. They all knew he was like that. And nobody ever su like supported me. They all just said, you knew he was like this. So the isolation was weird in that I was isolated right in sight. Um, so I just found that a really bizarre experience. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sarah and Mary. Well, for me, um, it was a long time, 35 years I was with him, 30 of those years I was married, and we had children, of course, two, ch two children, and um, he always used the holidays to stress how he didn't value me in some way or another, and to teach my children that I didn't deserve respect. Um, so on one hand, you know, I, I did all the shopping but i spent too much money i did all the wrapping i did all the decorating he was the grinch he didn't he just didn't care he didn't want to socialize with anyone he didn't want me to socialize with anyone you know i cooked i wrapped i did everything and my, i came from a family that really wanted you to be wanted everyone to be together on christmas eve and so i would say would you please would you come and if you come, would you please just put a smile on your face just for a couple of hours? 
Um, and he did at first. And then towards the end of our marriage, it would be what I call ride rage, where he would just terrorize me in the car on the way to the event. And I would have to plaster a smile on my face when I got there. And it got worse over the years. He just um, made it so clear that he was unhappy to be there. He hated everyone. He'd sit in a corner and sulk. People would try to talk to him. He was rude. He would eventually go sit out in the car for like two hours. And that was, of course, my fault that he was sitting in the car. And then he would come in and literally in front of my whole family, drag me out of there, drag my kids out too, and say, we're we're going home now. You know, um, so no one ever said anything. They just pretended like... It was just another year, you know, with him. Um, but he also did things like not give me anything for Christmas when my kids were really young or not fill my stocking, you know. And the kids would say, Mommy, you know, how come Santa didn't fill your stocking or give you a gift? And he'd just look at me and laugh. And, you know, it wasn't that, oh, gee, I didn't get a gift. It was the, it was the lesson he was teaching my children. Um was that I just took care of everything, but I didn't deserve mm-hmm. an ounce of respect. And he took that so far as to say my family didn't deserve an ounce of respect either. Mm-hmm. Um, and the abuse itself happened right the first week in the new year, right after the holidays. And I had been, he had cut off my wind, you know, my air. Um, and I thought I was going to die like the week of Christmas. He has since convinced my children that I I am not valuable and I've been estranged from them now since the violence happened going on nine years. And so the holidays are extremely hard for me because I have two children and I have three grandchildren I've never met. Um, and so that's what the holidays remind me of every year. There is a lot of nodding as everyone's talking. Although being estranged from your kids and your grandkids, that's a special kind of hell for sure. Um, I guess if I was to say about Christmas for me, it was just really lonely. Um, one thing he would do is he would buy so many presents for the kids and he would he would brag about that. And then he would leave me to do the wrapping. So I'd be up until like three in the morning sitting by myself in the living room, like wrapping all these stupid presents, like way more than they needed. And then just like Mary, you know, every, I had to do everything. Um, so it was a lot of stress. It was so stressful and putting the tree up and he'd be sitting in the chair and the kids and I were putting the tree, putting the decorations on the tree and God forbid something fell, like one of the um, bulbs fell and broke. God forbid. Does anybody else have other things that are coming up for them that they wanted to bring up? Yes, Jen. I second the... Um the ride rage. Um, that was absolutely a thing. That's funny. I hadn't really remembered that, but before things got really bad or before I recognized them as getting really bad, um, it was any event, anything, any celebration of anything on the way there, I was going to be punished for whatever thing that was. And I remember, um, well, I guess before the Halloween thing happened, because he really hit every holiday. I mean, It was my birthday before Halloween, and I didn't know he was driving me to this little surprise 
costume party thing with friends of ours. Um, but the whole ride there, I was being punished because I guess I didn't open the present the way he wanted me to open it. You know, I don't, I don't know how you open a present wrong. I was thrilled to get lovely earrings and I, I did it wrong, I guess. Um, you know, and so I'm being punished the whole way there. And then you have to pull yourself together. You know, you've either been crying and you look horrible and now you have to present yourself to family or friends or whatever and look presentable, you know, and then to find out it was supposed to be some sort of surprise party for me that was, just, you know, it, it, I really do feel that at the core of it, it's that they, they can't see you experience any joy. You're not allowed to ex just in the in the way that we're also we're not allowed to experience anger. They were the only ones that were allowed to experience anger. We weren't allowed to experience joy either. The interesting thing about that is like for me, too, it was like odd to me, like, hmm, this is always happening during the holidays. But I never really put it together. Mary, were you going to say something? Yeah. I was just going to agree that he ruined every holiday. Um, but, you know, like Jennifer was saying, as fall started to wind up and you were getting into the holiday season, the tension would just rise. You know, I would just feel the pressure. He would drink more. He would be more aggressive. He'd be yelling at me about money. We don't have the money. What You know, like we never had enough money. I, I was spending too much on people. Um, just every single thing about the holidays was a negative in his eyes. I was doing it wrong. I was pissing him off. You know, he called me every name in the book. It was just constantly riding me, just constantly pressuring me about every single thing I did to try to create a joyful home for my children during the holidays. Yeah. And we're just doing, we're working overtime to try to compensate for that. Um, Jolene, could you talk about when you said the drinking and the finances got harder? Could you want to explain a little bit about that? Um, he had uh, a gambling addiction and was also became very intrinsic, very materialistic during the holidays, but for himself. Like that was the time where he needed a new snowmobile or so the, the financial struggle wasn't really on him. It was on me to make up for, um, you know, to compensate for what the kids to make it good for the kids and, and getting them. Um, I didn't make nearly as much money as he did. And so that was usually pretty much, um, I was reminded of that a lot at Christmas. Um, because down. he would attack your self-worth because you weren't making as much money as him. It, it, and, and I would, I would have, I would have spent, you know, an entire paycheck or more on, on, on the kids for Christmas. And, um, and then I, I would be broke, but I had gotten to a point where I didn't even, I wouldn't even acknowledge that because it was, it was so, it became such a joke to him that I didn't have money when he did, even though, you know, we were married and we were a family. It would be a joke to him that um, what I did wasn't as important and as, as big as him. So during the holidays, he deserved things. The kids and I really didn't deserve the extra. I mean, 
you know, he would buy the kids nice things, but the rest of it was left on me. It was left on me to do the decorating, to do the the cooking, to do the wrapping, um, because he would take off. He had a gambling issue. Um, so sometimes we didn't even know if he'd be back for Christmas. The ride rage, it was, I would always feel so bad for our children by the time we got to a place that they had just had to sit and witness that entire ride or, or, or the entire argument and, and, and craziness at home to then go out in public. Like even for them, I couldn't help myself, but feel so bad for them and what that was doing. They would get there and not, he'd be all, you know, all excited and happy. And, and the kids and I would be, kind of this not sulking but kind of just in a like obviously like a almost traumatized state to me that's how it felt in our family like it was him and then it was the kids and me like I was another kid like we were all the same it wasn't like me and my husband were, were the parents and we had the kids did you do you, do you did you mean to say when you're talking about that how you it was in the dynamic in your family too it very much was it was like that year-round you are listening to a conversation with survivors of domestic abuse about what it is like during the holidays. I am Patricia McLean, the host of this Let's Talk About It WERU radio show. I'm also the CEO founder of the main nonprofit Finding Our Voices. Back now to our conversation with Jolene, Sarah, Jennifer, and Mary, all from Maine, and Gina from Virginia. What we're all kind of hitting on is that we were all being punished like children, basically, like fairly poorly treated children. But um, if he didn't get what he wanted for Christmas, because I was the one making the money, he he would go, he would cry. He would cry like a child. Um, I don't have people buying me nice stuff like your mother sent you something. So he'd destroy anything that I received. And then he'd take my bank card and he would spend whatever we had on cologne and jewelry for himself. And um, um, when we didn't have money for the uh, the Christmas dinner, he gave me a list of what I need to go buy at the store. So I'm really scared. I go to the store to, to get executives on this list, but I couldn't afford it. And I came back with um, like remnants of what I could do. I got turkey legs because I couldn't afford a turkey. And he looks at what I brought home and he's cussing and yelling, where are the rolls? I'm like, you didn't, you didn't write down rolls. Everybody knows that you can't have turkey without rolls. So uh, he takes my bank card and he leaves and tells me to start cooking. I don't see him till the next day. And he calls me from a gas station uh, telling me to come pick him up because he doesn't know where he is and he doesn't know what happened. I go to a gas station down and find him laying on the sidewalk because he went to look for rolls. Yeah, you can do everything in the world and there's they'll find one thing that you didn't do. And even if it if it's not true that you didn't do it. Does anybody have any Christmases that stand out or anything that happened at Christmas that really stands out? Mary? I remember a particular year, probably in our last few years of being together. Um, I have to kind of go back real quick. When I was a teen, my cousin was living in England. And for my birthday, he had sent me some cologne from Penhaligons of London. 
and it was called Bluebell. And I love the smell, but he loved it so much that he used to constantly say, you need to be wearing this Bluebell all the time. And I had a big thing of it, but it eventually went away. You eventually got used up. So this particular year, he went online, he found this and he bought it for me. This was probably a week before Christmas. Something set him off. I didn't know what it was. He went out, stormed out the door. And apparently he went to check the mail and my Christmas gift had arrived in the mail. And he walked in the door and I looked up and he threw it and he hit me in the face with this box of cologne and said, Merry effing Christmas. Another gift he had given me one year was a necklace. He ripped that right off my neck and threw it in the woods. You know, so he liked to give me gifts that he could destroy, that he could take away from me, that he could hurt me with. He used gifts as a weapon. Does anybody have anything to say about maybe the the kids at Christmas? I feel like they, they don't enjoy it. They don't get to, to experience the joy that, say, they see on TV and they're seeing in their classrooms. It, it's almost heartbreaking that, that, they, that they almost seem, they, my children always seemed so sad during the holidays, that anxious even, all of them from age seven to, you know, my oldest, 28, it was what it was, it was sad and anxious because we, it was unpredictable. It was, it was always expecting the worst to happen. Do you think it has also something to do that the kid, the kids are home for a week, so it's being home with him a, a more intensive? And Jen, sure. Jen, you're 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 nodding. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, any snow days? Oh my gosh, <laughs> nightmare. That was often when you know he would blow up. He would you know find a reason to fight. I remember actually one year, and I, I do believe this was right around Christmas time because it would have been that last year. He pulled into a parking lot of a church and um, he was smoking and screaming at me in the truck. And this is, again, somebody who up until this point, I had known him not to drink and not to smoke. And he started doing both of those things in massive excess to the point where I had to sit in the car with him while he smoked cigarettes. Um, Really gross. Um, And, you know, he's screaming at me. Well, (laughs) then the pastor of the church walked up to the truck and kind of called him out in the middle of this thing. It was terrifying because I didn't know what was going to happen. He had to get out of the truck and talk to this pastor for, I don't know how long. And it weirdly kind of pulled him out of it. He had someone treating him the way that he treated, treated me. And it kind of shook him for a while. Sarah, you had a young son, I guess, during the abuse. Is that correct? Yeah, my two youngest are with my um, my my ex, and um, he, um, you know, the biggest the biggest one that was post separation, but it was just a couple years after. So he, we were supposed to exchange the kids on Christmas Day, and um, 
you know, Christmas day is, is pretty busy usually for, you know, I was doing a lot. And um, so I went, I was on time to meet him. I insisted that we meet at the police station that was in the court order. And he was two hours late. So on Christmas day, I was at a police station in a police in, you know, in the parking lot with my children. And we should have been, you know, at home celebrating and cooking. I had things in the oven, you know, I was, um, cause I was still making food because they were going to come back the next day. Um, but you know, the fact that he was two hours late, you know, about an hour into it, he told me to just leave the kids at the police station with a police officer and that he'd get there when he could. I was like, I said, no way. I'm not leaving my kids at a police station with a random officer on Christmas. So I took the kids back home I said he couldn't come to my house and I had a police escort um, come to the house with him. We exchanged the kids that way. He used that successfully in court against me. The, he was able to convince the judge that I did something wrong by he, he can, he convinced the judge that I was keeping the kids from him when in fact I wasn't, I just had gone home but because it was Christmas day and I didn't want to be in a police station. And, you know, I was just trying to be a good mom and I got reprimanded for that. The judge didn't reprimand him for suggesting that the kids stay in a police station on Christmas. My ex raged about anything, you know, kind of similar to what I think Mary said about if you unwrap something wrong, because he was really, um, you know, we had to unwrap wrapping paper so that it could be reused, you know, so it had to, you know, once you know, it had to be this like whole production, one present at a time. And it was, every, and all the kids were little and it, it was so much pressure and anxiety. So, um, and he would, you know, he always went through my receipts and that kind of thing. So. Talk, um, about, talk about that. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? Um, everything from grocery receipts to any kind of shopping. Um, he, he wanted to see my receipts and he, you know, if I spent a dollar too much at Hannaford, I should have gone to Trader Joe's or, you know, it's like I, he, I was spent, you know, it was, but it was like a few, it wasn't even, I wasn't making major purchases. These, you know, he was just, he just happened to read all the weird flyers from grocery stores and know, oh, well that's on sale this week. So you should have known that. So you should have gotten it there. You know, it was like, you know, I had three kids. I'm not, you know, I'm maybe I'll spend a little extra somewhere, but, um, imagine yeah. just so for, for people who don't understand and have not been through this, how exhausting that is. It's so exhausting. You've got to think before you do everything and it doesn't even help because you think you're thinking it out in order to prevent a rage, but it's going to be mad at something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if he would send me to the store for something specific and if I got the wrong thing, which was, you know, typical, I just might get the wrong brand of something or whatever. I mean, that was rage, just pure rage to the point where I was scared to go to the store for him. Could you imagine if he if you had behaved that way to him, if he had done gotten something wrong and you you you, you acted that way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> The punishment for that, you know, would have been, you know, who knows what it had. I just can't even imagine doing that. It's it's unimaginable, actually. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina, can you talk a little more about the isolation, for instance, with your mom? Like, did you, were you somehow able to get her even at Christmas, like a present or somehow managed to have some exchange with her? Mostly we couldn't afford a telephone. 
So if I wanted to call her, I would have to walk to a gas station, use a pay phone, and I'd have to call collect. And after so many times of being shut down by, by my abuser, they stopped accepting my calls, honestly. But um, and like I said, it took a couple of years. So there was, and I was a thousand miles away from my family because he had managed to move me across the country to, to get us away from them. Um, the isolation at the holidays, I think what makes it even worse is that not only did he spend a lot of time making sure that I had no contact with anyone, there, it came to that point where I didn't want to have contact with anyone either. I didn't want any witnesses to what was happening. I was, I was not only ashamed, but I also blamed myself. So I was ashamed of myself also. And Dwayne, I, you're, you're not in your head. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? I very, I very much felt the same way. I would feel, I would feel in those situations, like the shame and the embarrassment almost made me feel like, like I felt like everybody else saw me as the outsider. Like what is wrong with her? I knew it was borderline where the, where it was either going to be me or the kids or him or him. Um, I knew it was getting dangerous. Oh, he was threatening to kill himself, was he? He was, yeah. Well, yes, he was threatening to kill himself. He was threatening to kill me and the kids. So I knew it was getting, I knew that that homicide was possibly coming. The violent, it was, it was, it was a scary, things were, things were, so I knew how, how extreme the situation was like I got to a point where I knew the it was that extreme so I could feel it just seeping off of me and the, the faking was really hard and the the trying to be real and the faking and it just was it was that was exhausting as well everything else was ex but that was not I who who am I I don't know who I am right now you know it was in those situations, it was, I don't know who I am if I'm to be, you know, in words, lesser than a servant right now. Am I supposed to be following him around, um, you know, wherever he goes from room to room? If I do that, then I'm clingy. Um, and so then I'm, you know, crazy. I just, I had no clue what to do with myself. I felt like a child. I felt like a child. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. In situation. You because you're going to be in trouble no matter what. Exactly. Exactly. It was. It's, it's literally the definition of being terrorized. Like you are being terrorized. Very much. It was yeah. very much. I, I feel like all of it from the receipts, from, from having them check your receipts to you needing to maybe ask for some help financially with Christmas shopping or, or helping to cook. Those are normal. Those are normal things. And it's exhausting for us to have to, think about doing them alone let alone doing it wrong or right it's yeah like I remember for one cr Christmas dinner just all day long making this absolute feast yes. it was right out of a magazine there were like you know eight different courses and then everybody gets dressed up and they're all around the table and the mashed potatoes weren't on the table you know, because I was I was at the stove trying to, you know, 
keep them heated to bring them to the table for the last minute. Like he didn't think about coming. Can I help you? He got no. so angry. He said, where are the, you know, where are the mashed potatoes? And he was angry that the mashed potatoes after all that. I mean, it's just totally ridiculous. Jolene was saying anything or Jolene, even, th even talking about it now, is it upsetting to even realize it? Like, because I think <clears throat> again, um, you know, this is my first winter that, you know, this is my first holiday season. Um, you know, mine is, is, has freshly, it, you know, the, the wound is still there and, 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 uh, my, I mean, I see my children are completely different kids. <laughs> so that part makes me happy. I see where they're, you know, right now they're home cause it's a snow day and they have been crazy nuts all day. And, um, and you know, it's snowing and the elf on the shelf has been, you know, coming and, and, and they have all these plans and, you know, I'm triggered because it's the holiday, but I am so happy that they get to be kids this winter. Like there's just no other way for me to twist it that I don't even, I don't even know how it's going to end up because finances, you know, stuff like that. But I don't, I almost don't know if they'll even care this year because it had gotten that bad that we're just all just so relaxed <laughs> that it's, you know, so, so hearing these things, it, it it's it's triggering you know it's um it brings you back to it it's so yeah uh, and and again you know it was at a really bad point um you know because his arrest came in april so last christmas was was insanity it was so toxic and so scary so last christmas was i almost couldn't tell you very much about it it was such a blur of, of police and, um, and like one day he tried to run me over with his truck. Um, he came here one day and took all my clothes. Like it, the last winter was horrible. So I almost couldn't tell you too much about Christmas because I don't even know. I don't, I know that he wasn't here, but that was okay. But we didn't know when he was coming back. Like, so I don't, so last, last Christmas was, was, was the absolute worst Christmas I could ever imagine for myself or my poor children. And so I'm just hoping moving forward, it's just only going to get better. Well, that, it sounds like it, it already is. Let's go around and also for the sake of Jolene and just let <laughs> everybody know, um, since you got out, what, what are things that you were doing that you couldn't have done and talk about what the holidays are like now? Um, Gina, do you want to? Um, I I get to spend time with positive people. I realize I have value. When I had Christmas with him, I thought it didn't really matter because I did not have any self-value at all. So in fact, I tried to kill myself one year right after Christmas. But the next year I had a son at Christmas time. And I said, well, even if I don't think I have value, I know he does. And I got, got us both out of there. And um, it's not always easy. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's us and it's good and it's free. Thank you. Sarah, how about you? It's just so much more relaxed. It's just so wonderful that I don't have to worry about anybody having an explosion. Um, so, you know, I have three sons and we, I, I don't have 
extended family that I visit. And so we're very, we're very tight knit on our holiday. We have a pretty small holiday, but we all love cooking. And like I said, there's no, nobody gets mad. And how about Mm. you, Jen? What's Christmas like for you now? Oh, now it's, it took me, it took me a while. I have to say it took me a few cycles of like each holiday. My current partner is not like that at all. He cooks for me all day and it's lovely and we can watch holiday movies with the kids. It took me a while to be able to just be able to relax in my own home to even be able to like, I wasn't allowed to sit on the couch, you know, just to sit down on the couch and watch a movie with my kids and for one, be allowed to do that and not supposed to be doing other things or cleaning or anything else, but to be able to enjoy the whole movie without somebody blowing up and, you know, sending kids to their rooms or you know, just any of it, any of the nice things, like they're all nice. Now I am spoiled. If anything, I, he cooks amazing food all day and we eat food and hang out in our pajamas and it doesn't matter if it's messy and kids have fun and it's great. Christmas can be just lovely. For me, yeah. when I left, actually I had um, collected all these antique, um, Christmas balls and they meant a lot to me and I had like four boxes and they were like numbered like in order of favorites and um I left that they were at the house and I didn't get them in the settlement you know so that was really upsetting to me for a while but then um actually what I did is I the first Christmas in my own house I had it like a get-together and I invited like a whole bunch of people and I just said bring an ornament so I could start fresh with my own ornaments I love and, um, just homemade stuff and just things for my friends. But now I just don't, um, I don't even put up a tree. I just keep things really simple. And I just love the peace of the holidays where I could just watch movies. I could hang out um, and I can cook or not cook. And for me, it's all about peace, quiet and um, getting together with friends. And um, Mary, let me know, let us know what, what it is like for you now. Um, it's mixed. I have a new partner that is the most relaxed and chill person I've ever met in my life. He plays the piano. We sing Christmas carols or we sing whatever. So we have a lot of music in our house. He likes to cook. Um, we cook together. We, you know, we don't bother with the Christmas tree because for me, it, I don't want to, it just, brings back bad memories, but we have like, you know, the little collectible Christmas village and every year we make sure that we add on. So we put that up. Um, But, you know, I'm estranged from my children. I haven't seen them for almost nine years now. I have, you know, not known either of my children in their thirties, which is just such a weird thing to say. They were in their twenties when this happened. They're now in their thirties and I I just don't know my children. I don't know my granddaughters. I have three adorable little granddaughters, seven, five, and three. I I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they got for gifts. I, you know, what what do the decorations look like in the house? I know, I know nothing. I don't know what they want. The kids want for Christmas, you know, from Santa, any of that, I have no, you know, no idea. Um so that that makes it hard. So, you know, on one hand, I try to ignore Christmas. 
And on the other hand, then I'll say, do you want me to make some Christmas cookies? And, you know, we'll sit and we'll watch a good movie with Christmas cookies and coffee and my two adorable cats sitting on me, you know? And so I, then I just say, I'm, I'm really lucky. And one other thing I want to add is I'm extremely grateful that I have a home. He burnt my house down right around Christmas. I lost everything I ever owned. Every, you know, 35 years of being together, I lost everything. My kids' baby books, their their schoolwork, photos of myself as a baby. My mother had given them all to me because she didn't want to keep them in the house. And, you know, so my life literally went up in flames. So I'm grateful now that I have a home at Christmas. Yes. And I was sitting across, I, I met with a friend for lunch and she's in her 70s. And she pointed out that one side of her face is different than the other side. Because when she was in her 20s and her first husband, he, when they were driving and he just, I think he just punched her in the face while they were driving. And that's from her 20s. And she's looking at me across the table and she still has this, you can still see. And it's it affects her. She looks in the mirror and she sees that and it brings her back to it. And that's the thing that if you've been through domestic abuse, like there are scars and people are walking around with that, like PTSD or with Mary and she's not, it's because of the abuse that she's estranged from her kids. And people don't understand that this thing, these things linger and there's deep scars and, um, you know, we are resilient, right? But it's not fair. It's not right. And it's, it's horrible. looking forward to finding our new traditions and our new our new normal whatever that you know our new what it's going to be like for the kids and I to figure this out and find find what's going to work for us because this year for some reason I just don't seem to know I'm like I want to do all I want to do it all the Christmas tree the the cookies and the elf and then I get overwhelmed because and I just want to slow myself down and say you know I'm I feel guilty and I want to make up for all that but that's not going to be our nor our normal is going to be different exactly that was like for me it was like I was trying to keep up with the way I'd always done it I'm like this is stressful like I don't want to have a tree I don't want to do these elaborate things so you will find your own normal and the main thing is that we are free we yes. are free yes Yes. Yes, Gina. Hey, uh, uh, one thing I would like to say is that for family and friends out there who um, have loved ones in these situations, don't close your doors. You're just taking away one more option. And it's hard to leave. And sometimes it takes more than one try. But it doesn't mean that we don't need you. Don't shut us out. Perfect. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. We need it more during these times, during the holidays, than than I think people people put together. It's it is the toughest thing for us to go through, and on top of it, we're trying to be strong for these other little beings in our lives, and. Um, it's a whole lot to, to hold together 
alone. It is a whole lot to hold together alone. Thank you, Sarah, Jennifer, Mary, Jolene, and Gina. Now we are going to welcome Tiffany from South Portland, who couldn't come to our group chat and sent in her thoughts about Christmas. Hi, my name is Tiffany, and I live in South Portland. Uh, the holidays, um, special occasions, and moments that were big and worth celebrating were always times when uh, my ex-partner would sort of escalate her abusive behavior and generally turn moments that were supposed to be joyous into stressful times uh, or even dangerous events. But it was one Christmas morning that was sort of the breaking point for me, and it was the time that became the most clear to me that I had to get out. Um, after staying up very late the night before to make everything perfect for my son and for our joint foster child, uh, and then getting up early to walk the dogs by myself, I might add, I had no help ever, uh, my ex decided that I had spent uh, far too long walking the dogs and that I must have been uh, meeting up with somebody or have been talking to them on the phone when I pointed out that I never went far enough from the house to... Uh, even lose sight of the house and that she had been able to see me the entire time and that my phone had been home with her the entire time and that I had actually even asked for her help walking the dogs because it was challenging to do it myself, uh, but she refused. She uh, then threw a heavy frying pan that had been sitting on the stove at me. Uh, the frying pan nearly um, hit me. It very narrowly missed my head, uh, but it was close enough to be able to get balsamic vinegar all over me, all over the cabinets and all over the floor. She screamed at me while she did this and she called me all kinds of horrible names and she told me what a terrible person I was. Uh, she kept coming toward me, shoving me, posturing as though she was going to hit me and pulling my face closer to her face uh, like by grabbing my hair while she threatened me and said more terrible things to me. Um, my then 11-year-old son heard the entire thing, and he was silently crying in his bedroom when I went to go check in on him to come down to open gifts on Christmas morning. So yeah, my child was crying on Christmas morning, and it didn't matter that I had just gotten him a brand new basketball hoop or a bunch of cool toys. Uh, he had heard far too much, and um, it wasn't the first time. So I made a plan that day, and as awful as the morning was and as horrible as I felt that at least one child had to witness such awful horror. Uh, sometimes I think that the silver lining is that uh, it was the catalyst for a plan that finally got us out of there. Thank you, Tiffany. And if what we are talking about sounds familiar, if your intimate partner makes you afraid or you are worried about someone you care about being trapped in this kind of isolating, scary, and dangerous situation, say something. The Maine Coalition to End Domestic Violence runs a statewide 24-7 confidential hotline, 1-866-834-HELP. The Maine Sisterhood of Survivors that is finding our voices is here for you too. In addition to our survivor-powered domestic abuse awareness campaigns like this radio show, we provide a host of free sister support programs, including online support groups, healing retreats, financial assistance, and even pro bono dental care. 
Our website is findingourvoices.net. Feel free to reach out to me, Patricia McLean, founder and CEO of this movement and nonprofit, at hello at findingourvoices.net. And if you are a survivor of domestic abuse and would like to be a guest on this radio show, please get in touch. Thank you to Tammy Oropesa for the audio engineering of this radio show. And thank you to my daughter, Jackie McLean Strack, for the music. Let's Talk About It airs on WERU-FM on the second Friday of every month at 4 p.m. See you in the new year. And meanwhile, wishing you peace, joy, and safety this holiday season. And remember, love should feel good. Thought you had the answers to me for the longest time. Thought you were the person with the key. Lord, what was I thinking? There's a path you'll never find. Leading to a place you'll never Oh